All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of What the Health Just Happened, where we talk about all things healthcare, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, the ins, the outs. I don't even know how do you say that. The introduction is the hardest part for me, right? You got this radio voice. We've got leaders from Jacksonville, influential people in Northeast Florida. Today is no different. I'm your host, Eric Ross of Tutel Benefits. Welcome to What the Health Just Happened. Today, TJ Ward, the North Florida Director of Advocacy for Project Opioid at Jacksonville Chamber, Previously, the founding pastor, president, CEO for New Life Church in Winston-Salem, high school principal and director of faculty and student development. We got to hit that, right? Yeah. I think we do. Um, just to paint a picture of what kind of human he is, he also had to reschedule on me, which I love, because his daughter was having a college graduation. We got to hit that. That's the kind of human you are, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. I like to have fun on this show. We try to keep it a little loose. This topic is not easy to talk about. It's also not doom and gloom, right? So anyways, without further ado, TJ Ward, Project Opioid, welcome. You ready to party? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Thanks so, for having me. Welcome. Welcome. Yep. Are you nervous? Some people get nervous. When not at all, man. I don't think you're, you're making this easy. It should be. It yeah. should be fun. It should be easy. By the way, Abby's in the corner sitting on a filing cabinet. His <laughs> partner in crime. She's chuckling a little bit, taking pictures and videos. Right off the bat, what is Project Opioid? So Project Opioid is an initiative that is funded by the Florida Blue Foundation and facilitated through Jack's Chamber. We are a coalition of key leaders across North Florida that confront the overdose crisis. So we come together to uh, share strategy and to really address this issue that is taking so many lives, not only here in North Florida, but uh, across the state of Florida and across the country. Nationwide. Yep. That was a question I had to ask. How is it tied to the chamber? Because if I look at your email address, I see Jack's chamber. I look at Abby's email address. How is it tied to, to the Jacksonville chamber? Yeah, so Abby and I are both Jack's chamber employees. And uh, the reason that we are facilitated through the chamber is because we have an intentional approach to engage business leaders in this conversation. So a lot of times when you look at this issue, that's one sector that has been left out. And as you know, business leaders um, have a different way of thinking about things. They're problem solvers. Um, they have a platform to bring awareness uh, to the people that they are serving, as well as the employees, the people they employ. And then sometimes they have resources they want to share and put towards this effort. So uh, we feel it's imperative if we're going to be effective in this fight to engage the business community in Jacksonville and across North Florida. That's a big part of, I think, any project, which we talked before this. I used to be a firefighter paramedic, then a nurse. This one hits cl close to home for me for a variety of reasons. I don't know if we'll share some of those stories. But um, so so Project Opioid, I, I researched it. I'm familiar with it. I originally met you at a, a Jacksonville Chamber Health Council meeting. Mm -hmm. Founded in Orlando area, right? Yep. That's where the headquarters is. It, it was uh, came about as a result of a conversation between – our founder and CEO, Andre Bailey, and um, the CEO of Guidewell, Florida Blue. And so uh, they were talking at a leadership event, and Andre had done some significant work with homelessness in the central Florida area. Pat Garrity said, hey, Andre, 
what do you think about, you know, taking this collective impact model that you used in the fight against homelessness and, and coming up with something to address the opioid crisis and Florida Blue Foundation funded conservatively in the beginning um, a project opioid in Orlando. It quickly caught uh, momentum and they invested um, a significant am- amount of money to expand it across the state of Florida. So now it's in six regions. Um, from the south all the way up to the north. Abby and I are working here in North Florida to implement the initiative, uh, but we are also partnering with our colleagues across the state to address this issue. So quick question. I, I didn't realize this. Florida yeah. Blue or Guidewell, which I, I kind of use hand in hand, sure. they're tied heavily to this investing. So, so again, a lot of people give large insurance companies a bad rap, which right. I, I don't agree with. They're investing heavily in stuff like this, Blue Zones we had talked about earlier. They're, they're part of this project. They're the ones that said, hey, I think this is great. Like, how do we invest in this project? Yeah. I mean, it, their, their initial investment is what got this off the ground. They started it. They absolutely did. In conjunction with Andre Bailey. Um, Which I got a Andre Bailey. Yeah, you should look him up. I can connect you to I'd him. Love, I'd yeah. love to. Yeah, absolutely. And he was working with the homeless community in Orlando specifically. Yep. And, and was just successful in that project. And then, and then you all essentially approached him saying, I think you'd really help with this. Yeah, Florida Blue, Pat Garrity, actually, CEO of Guidewell. Never heard said, of him. Okay. <laughs> said, hey, let's do something together. And Andre, you know, applied that. Again, it's just a collective impact model where you bring key leaders from different sectors across the community together to strategize, to work together, to collaborate, to They care know, about the communities too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So six regions you mentioned. Yep. Where are those? So you've got uh, three of them that work together down in South Florida. So Miami-Dade area, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. And there's one over in Tampa. And then the headquarters is in Central Florida, Orlando. And then we're up here in North Florida working out of Jacksonville, but addressing um, surrounding counties. The big five? Yeah. Baker, Clay, St. John's, Duval, and Nassau. As as well as Putnam, Marion, a little bit in Flagler and Volusia as well. So your your territory, to say that, is much larger than just Duval County? Yes. Okay. Um, so Southeast Florida, I should mention, I'm from the mean streets of Boca Raton. Uh-oh. So I call I'm kidding. I know that area <laughs> well. So Southeast Florida, right, kind of Southwest Florida, Tampa area, founded in Orlando, now Northeast Florida. Any, any plans to expand what you're doing throughout the state? Yeah, actually, um, there's a partnership between – Project Opioid in the League of Cities and League of Mayors to help address this in rural communities because, you know, the panhandle is heavily hit by this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just didn't have the bandwidth in the beginning to put a Project Opioid there. So uh, working with some of those um, organizations and entities to bring services out that way. And then Project Opioid actually is expanding nationwide. That's uh, something that Andre could talk more with you about, but in California. Um, so there's one in Santa Barbara and one that will probably be uh, rolling out in Los Angeles in the near future. I, I love that. And again, I, for me, it's how can you spread the word, meet the right people, talk to them, facilitate introductions. California, the same thing. I, there's companies we work with out there that maybe plug them in there, but yeah. spread this this mission, which I think is pretty awesome. Well, I might talk about Firefighting later. So 
I know the answer to this. You you send some Abby did. I keep looking at Abby. She's over there sitting on a filing cabinet, cracks me up. You, you come over here and say something at some point. Right? Abby is the brains behind all of this, handles the logistics and details she, yeah, and, yeah. and tells me where to be, when to be there. And I just show up and talk to people like you sometimes. Do you, so. I was gonna say, you know what? Some people say, Man, you got a great face for radio. Have you ever heard <laughs> oh, that? I've heard, I've heard that, that line every times. every single yeah. time. I'm like, all right, the joke's old. <laughs> Thank you, Abby. Um I'm familiar the the opioid epidemic, not ep- uh, opioid pandemic, which I've heard people say we've, we're, we're pandemiced out. What is it, right? H- how do you describe? Because I think a lot of parents or or grandparents don't understand what's happening. What is the yeah. opioid epidemic that's happening? So the current narrative is different than how it started. You know, in the beginning, way back in the '90s, you had uh, big pharma that pushed, mm. you know, prescription opioids. Uh, incentivized, you know, their employees as well as even physicians uh, to prescribe and overprescribe to uh, patients, and you know, told them, "Hey, this is non-addictive. It's only going to help your your patients. So give them as much as you possibly can." Of course, you're familiar with with this. So then that uh, caused a whole big problem uh, where we had pill mills. By the way, mm. Florida, you know, nationally led the way in pill mills. So people were going spear, wherever, yeah. yeah, were going wherever they could to find these opioids um, and became addicted. Well, we put in place a prescription drug monitoring program that really addressed the overprescribing. But at that point, you had all these people who were addicted to opioids, so they turned to heroin and cheaper, easier to find. Yeah. Yep. And and so what we've seen is a shift take place from you know heroin to now it's a synthetic opioid, um, and, and you've probably heard of fentanyl. I'm very familiar with I want to nerd out term. on this, but we've yeah. we got to, like, go a mile a mile wide, an inch deep versus a, sure. a, a, an inch wide, a mile deep. Because, yeah, so, continue, sorry. So the, the big picture is fentanyl is now driving the overdose crisis. You've got uh, fentanyl being laced in everybody's drug of choice. So... You know, back when this whole thing started, it was mostly prescription meds that were causing the problem. Um, that, to be honest, impacted a certain demographic, uh, mostly the white male or even just white people in general. Um, now that fentanyl is involved, it's being put in every drug that every demographic or every race, every socioeconomic, you know, uh, category would use. And so fentanyl is is causing the death. It's a it's a poly substance issue. It's not just one drug. It's poly means multiple, by multiple. the way. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, and almost always contains a lethal dose of fentanyl. We again, this one's going to get a little heavy. Sure. You try to keep it loose and, and fun. It's difficult in this. So, just to backtrack, right? Pain pills were a big one for a long time. There, there's yep. there are. Dozens of documentaries. There's actually a decent series on Hulu. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, that's the one that everybody refers to. That kind of yeah, that that's like a dope set uh, Hollywood version. If you want to watch and see what happens, but your big pharma, which I will butt heads with, and and one day I might, I don't know, they might put a hit on me because I talk so much trash about them. But they, they push these medications on physicians who again are trying to do what's right for their patients, yep. and and it was a it was a gold rush billions and billions of dollars is now these lawsuits happening country, nationwide including in Jacksonville because they're addictive different from everything that everyone said so you had the these pain medications predominantly there's some some other stuff 
Then as they they back off of them, they're so addictive that they get hooked on heroin. That's yep. just the reality. The same chemical makeup. Now, fentanyl, and if you any parent, grandparent, child who hasn't heard the term fentanyl, it's that's not nobody's not heard the term fentanyl at this point. Yep. It's cheap to make, right? It's synthetic. It's it's chemically made, and it's brought into the United States a variety of ways. But that's what I think today versus the 90s, what Project Opioid is trying to defeat and, and save lives, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our main goal is to help reduce overdose deaths, even though we work across the spectrum of you know, this issue. We are mainly trying to help um, keep people alive so that they can get the treatment they need to get better, so that they can be successful in recovery. So we have partnerships across the spectrum, but if we were to you know, kind of boil it down to one thing, it's really to help reduce overdose deaths. Okay, and again, man, this is heavy stuff. What's the overdose crisis? How is it in our community? We're, we're talking about Jackson. We're talking about Nationwide, which is a problem. Right. This is your backyard. This is where we live. I'm not trying to get you depressed, Jay. I see you over there rolling your eyes at me. What's it look like here in Northeast Florida, Jacksonville specifically? I think people underestimate how, how prevalent this is where yeah. we live. So let me just give you kind of a snapshot of nationwide. So back in 2021, we saw almost 108 overdose deaths nationwide, over 8,000 in Florida, and then here in Jacksonville, almost 600. So in, 600 in deaths in, in Duval County last year. So you said 108,000 nationwide. Yep, close to let it. Let me say it again, 108,000 overdose deaths last year. And the state of Florida was what? Over 8,000, a little over 8,000. Which, which, again, is... My eyes are kind of exploding here. You can't see that because we're not on camera. But um, And then Duval County, Jacksonville area was 600. Yep, close to 600, 585. <laughs> and, of course, you know, I, statistics are what they are, but I would say that this is one of those uh, data uh, <clears throat> categories that is underreported. So conservatively, oh. we can say, especially during the pandemic, but conservatively— you, We don't even know. We can say— you know, close to 600 people in, in Duval County. <sighs> Man, I'm trying not to get depressed here. I've got young kids, but we'll do what we can. Um, who's at risk? Everybody. Everyone. Everyone. Because of the introdu introduction to fentanyl, this is now an, a problem for every age group, every race, ethnicity, every socioeconomic, you know, category. Um, again, it's no, you know, respecter of persons. This is, um, and, and a lot of times when people think of those that struggle with substance use disorder, they envision somebody who is experiencing homelessness, you know, that, you know, is down on their luck. We're talking about people from CEOs of large mm -hmm. corporations all the way down to that person who maybe is ex experiencing homelessness in every age group in between. Um, this is leaving nobody behind. Uh, young people as young as 10 years old have overdosed because of fentanyl. And a lot of it is unintentional. Um, you know, you have some people who are self-medicating with uh, things that they think are prescription meds, but they're laced with fentanyl. They've bought them off the streets trying to cope with trauma that they've experienced. Adderall, yeah. anti-anxieties. Xanax. Z all of them. We see Man. Xanax, Adderall. Those are the, the two big, two along ones. with Oxycontin. Oxys. Yeah. Man, I'm trying to go upbeat here. I'm normally upbeat, but I, but again, I, this is an important message to get out there. Th there are no age boundaries. There's no 
political boundaries. There's no racial boundaries. If, if you are alive and breathing, you, you're you're at jeopardy of running into this stuff. I think the biggest thing is what are you what are you taking and why are you taking it? Right. Right. If you're if you're taking prescribed drugs from a pharmacy, I think you're okay. Yep. the The message that we want to get out is if you are offered something that doesn't come from your doctor or a legitimate pharmacy, do not take it. Say it again. If you're offered something that doesn't come from your physician or a legitimate pharmacy, like you've received a prescription, you've taken it to a pharmacy that you know is legit, don't take it. It's too big of a risk. I'm going to say that again. If you take any drugs, right, prescription, non-prescription, if it, if it doesn't come from a, a primary care physician, a legitimate pharmacy, th- these numbers are coming out. This is yeah. 6 in 10 chance that that is laced with fentanyl. Our friends at the DEA <clears throat> uh, confiscated in 2021 over 50 million pills, um, fake pills. Yeah. And 6 out of 10 of those that they tested <clears throat> contained a lethal dose of fentanyl. So <clears throat> the analogy that gets used often is it's like, playing Russian roulette. You don't know how much is in it. You know, especially if you don't have a tolerance for these types of drugs, it can take people's lives instantly and does every single day. And again, I, I know the answer to this. How does it take their, their like, what is an overdose? What is it? I almost want to answer. It's a rhetorical question I want to answer, but what happens if you take too high of a dose of opioids, but fentanyl specifically? So, you know, basically your your system shuts down, your respiratory system, you've got opioid receptors in your brain, you know, and, and those drugs sit on those. Um, fentanyl works faster. It's more instantaneous than, you know, maybe another opioid. Um, but that's essentially what happens. It shuts down people's ability to, to function and breathe. Their brain um, gets damaged uh, and eventually, <coughs> you know, quickly... Your they your expire. central nervous system shuts down. Yep. Stop breathing and, and man, we're gonna have to change topics for like the last couple of minutes and maybe a little uplifting stuff and then the back half will go more 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 downer. This is not downer. This is reality. This is the world we live in. I have three young kids that this stuff matters to me. Worked in the fire department, saw it, but but different, right? right. The station I worked at, fentanyl wasn't as prevalent then. Heroin was was a was a big deal, but. Okay, let's focus on how, how do we how do we slow it down or stop it? I think it's prevention, right? Yep. Substance abuse and, and helping those that are because sometimes maybe they intentionally are trying to find these, but other times they just they're that addicted. Yeah. Right. So education and awareness you know, is what we're doing here today. It, it definitely helps uh, prevent you know overdose deaths. And, and the thing about prevention work is you can't necessarily quantify it um, but you can see a correlation when you you know get resources out into the community not only awareness but also um, things like naloxone you know that narcan help uh, reverse the effects of an overdose Um, you know so those are some steps that we have seen be effective but just helping people understand what it looks like so we are able to have conversations with with people on a regular basis, you know, regular people in the community that don't understand 
that fentanyl is as lethal as it is. It won't hit me. I don't see it. Right. It's not here. It's not in yep. my backyard. Yep. This isn't something I have to deal with when, in fact, it impacts every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, to a certain degree, to one degree or another, it's going to impact all of us. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of your listeners are dealing with this firsthand, whether it's themselves that are, are struggling with this or somebody they care about that is going through this. Um, somebody, you know, not too far removed. All of us know somebody who has died of an overdose death in recent years. Sadly. Yep. So, so, so prevention, education. Yep. Treatment, you know, being able to get people the resources, the help they need. Uh, that's why we bring uh, people together, you know, to, to make sure that there aren't gaps in the ecosystem to make sure that when people need the help, they can get it right away, that there aren't you know, um, folks that are unable to connect to the, the resources they need. Uh, so it's, it's so important when somebody is ready for help that they get it right away. And, and it's so, available. And it's I want to, the back half of this, definitely talk about Narcan, Naloxone, whatever interchangeable, inter, interchangeable term, excuse me, access to it. There's a couple things I wrote down, some things you're working on with first responders, the attorney general, Ashley Moody. So we're we're going to hit that the second half, but I, have you heard the story about the the dad and the daughter with the starfish on the beach? Yes, but I would love for you to share I, it with our. I love our I viewers, love that story for listeners. a variety of reasons. My whole life, I think my granddad told me that when I was younger, and I, I that's how I look at this project. What you're doing, right? So a dad and his daughter are walking on the beach. Let's say Jack's Beach, right? It's six in the morning, and they walk out on the beach, and there are thousands of starfish. Like everywhere you look, it's just starfish, 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 starfish. You can't even see the sand because there's so many starfish. And the daughter walks out there, picks one up, throws it back in the ocean. Walks another step, picks another one up, throws it back in the ocean. The dad, the dad says, what are you doing? She goes, I'm saving, I'm saving starfish. He goes, you're not going to make a difference. Look at all these starfish. And she says, you know what? I made a difference to this one. Picks it up, throws it back in the water. Picks up the next starfish, throws it back in the water. Yep. That to me is, is, the, is the point of healthcare stuff like this. You talk about 600 lives in Northeast Florida. What's the point of this project? It's if it's one of those six hundred people, it's worth it. Oh, absolutely. That's how I look at this. No, and and that's a a great example of how we feel sometimes. This can be daunting, overwhelming at times, but being able to leave work every day and know that you've made a difference in helping at least one person, you know, make it through another day, um, is is rewarding. And to know that it happens more than we even realize, you know, really encourage us encourages us and the people that we get to work with so many amazing organizations doing this work um to really keep going forward you, like you said some things you can't track you can't measure you don't get a reward or a ribbon or a trophy and, and you you hear terrible stories but again sometimes that one just hear one good story and that's like all right let's let's keep doing this yep let's keep battling let's keep fighting this yeah that's again. That's just my opinion, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, if it helps one person stay alive one more day, it's go. worth it. Let's go to work. Yep. yep. Um, how much time we got left here? You've got a minute. Minute. Okay. Yep. Jay, do you expect this really serious dialogue? We're going to try to cool down before the commercial break. This is this is intense stuff here. Oh, I know. I hear about fentanyl all the time. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, he's five. Five. That's right. Five year old son. Again, young kids. I think about them, their future, but. Um, this is the leading cause of death for people 18 to 40 years of age, uh, more so than homicides and car accidents combined. Well, that's scary. We'll hit that. Okay, my goodness, I'm trying to 
Hit reset here. Anyways, TJ Ward, Project Opioid. Um, Abby also hiding in the corner, by the way. First half's done. Second half, probably just as intense. But uh, TJ, thanks for joining me. What the health just happened? Welcome back to the second half of what the hell just happened. And my, I did my little chuckle intro there. This is not a, a laughing matter, but hey, we'll, we'll do our best here. I think TJ Ward, the guest today, who crushed the first half, if you missed it, we'll have it on podcast coming up soon. He's also in all black, right? And we'll get a picture of this. I mean, it's just like, it's intimidating. I'm looking across the table from this guy. He's jacked. He's got a big old handsome smile, all in black. And I'm, you know, got my notes here and- Awkward and goofy, but you ready to party? It's kind of hot outside too, isn't it? It is, I'll just say. (laughs) I'm ready to party, and I'm extremely uh, encouraged by your kind words. Thank you. I I, I don't know why I always say, let's party. It goes back to the fire department. My lieutenant would always say, let's party. Before every call, he's like, let's party. So it's not, let's actually, let's go straight into that. Talking about partying, we we talked about fentanyl, the the, um. Opioid epidemic, not pandemic, right? Which terms were interchangeable way too often there. I mean, it actually is a pandemic. Is it a pandemic? It's worldwide. I think it's a pandemic now. Yeah. I I think people overheard the term pandemic after – you ever read the Harry Potter books, any of your kids? I actually haven't. I never got into Harry Potter. I'm one of the few people I know that haven't seen a movie or have read any of the books. Abby, have you read or, or seen the movies? So the the bad guy, his name is Voldemort, but they called him he who will not be named. So I, that's what I call COVID. We will uh, not name it even though I'm saying the Even term, though you just said it. Correct. Yeah. Um, it is a pandemic. It is a big deal. <sighs> I want to talk about the what is the number one killer? What was the age group you just said right before the commercial break? The number So one- 18 to 40-year-olds, um, overdose deaths, the number one has cause sur- of death. Has surpassed... Both the car list. accidents and homicides combined. So, so you have a combination of things, right? Suicide, homicide, car accidents traditionally are really high up on that list. Heart disease isn't there until you, you get past 40. Cancer is not up there on that list. If you look th- throughout the United States, it's typically the top three. I hate to say killers, but that's it. It's, yeah. it's cancer, cardiovascular disease, strokes, diabetes, kind of the big four or five. 18 to 40-year-olds historically was suicide, homicide, and trauma, predominantly car accidents. Yep. Overdoses have jumped to the top of the list. Yeah, and we're seeing a trend that we don't want to think about, uh, but it's reality, so we've got to talk about it. So even people younger than that, mm. a massive increase mm. over the last couple of years, you know, approaching uh, over 100% you know, increase in overdose deaths because of the prevalence of fentanyl. I like numbers, too, and I hate it. The time goes so fast here. Overdoses in the United States has risen, this comes from your website, 450% since 1999. Scary numbers, right? That's pills originally. Uh, 2020, deaths increased by more than 21,000 from from 2019. 
Um, in 2020, more than 270 Americans died of an overdose each day. I want to throw up in a bucket. Sorry, I ran it in. Harry, think about this. What would happen if every single day a plane somewhere in America crashed and that many people died? It would make major news, right? Get on a mega... What if there was a... And again, I don't want to bring this up. This is not to get... A school shooting every day with 270 people dying. Right. That's how bad this is. Like, how do we get a megaphone and talk about this more often? And, you know, it it started spiking, especially during the pandemic, but obviously that thing that we're not going to talk about was all you saw on the news. Fortunately, because of organizations that we get to work with and organizations like ours bringing awareness to this issue and, and amazing media partnerships, like the, the news stations we have here, um, some of the print media that we work with, they've been able to shine a light on it and and really, you know, t- help us take that megaphone and and bring awareness to this issue. It doesn't get as much attention as I would like for it to because of the damage that it's causing. Um, but at least it's in the news now. And what we can't do is because because we've been fortunate in recent months to see a little bit of decline. Um, because of some of the funding and, and attention and resources and really hardworking people that are um, fighting this, what we can't do is see a little bit of a decrease and think, oh, we're good, so we don't have to talk about we it anymore. Because yep. that's happened to us before, before even fentanyl. You'd see an increase in overdoses, overdose deaths, then a decrease, people forgot about it. But especially with fentanyl, and and by the way, we don't talk about this much because it's, you know, something that's emerging. But there are other uh, opioid, um, you know, drugs that and, and even non-opioid drugs that are out that are causing problems, too. Um, so you think about all of these different types of of opioids that are being manufactured synthetically Molecule, molecules are being tweaked. One so little have, adjustment, yep. Yeah. In a lab, who knows where. Exactly. So then you're, you're playing catch-up to try to figure out how to, to address that. So this isn't over by any means, um, but we are seeing a little bit of a, you know, a decrease in, in some areas, some counties, um, some demographics. But by and large, it's still a massive issue that we need to address and continue to bring awareness <laughs> to, which is why – I'm glad you invited us. I, to be I'm a glad part you of your came show. here. This is something that I'm passionate about for a variety of reasons. We'll talk about that off the air, probably. But yeah. um, how do you, how do you spread the word? Well, I'm going to go two more probably downers, and then I, I think lift it up a little bit. Particularly businesses. How do people like myself help support? Um, right. So you talk about 18 to 40 year olds. Here's the reality: when I was in college, I took Adderall to study. It wasn't my Adderall, right? I, I had friends who did cocaine. I had I had friends, and, and this is just the honest to God's truth, right? And, and this is UNF's right over here. Yep. Same kids do probably doing the same stuff, getting illegal Xanax, you name it. Um, the percentage of those that are now laced, unless you fill that prescription bottle yourself, are what? Six out of ten. Sixty percent. I need yeah. to just reiterate that. So, the that's pa- a lethal dose. Six out of ten have lethal. a lethal dose, Co- and and then you think lethal, according to who? You know, it, 
If it's guys like us, we could probably withstand a little bit more. Than, That's because we're both fit and gentle. We're jacked. But, <laughs> but, you know, you think of a, and I'm going to give you an example of this, you know, maybe a, a young lady who's a college student who weighs 100 pounds less than, than me, whose tolerance is going to be way less than mine. So, who wants to keep that 4-0. Right. And, and well, someone says, take this Adderall to help you study. This actually happened. It's happened a few times, but I'm going to give you a, for instance, we mentioned uh, Central Florida is where Project Opioid originated. That's where the headquarters is. Um, University of Central Florida, young lady. 80,000 students. Young lady, yeah. 4.0, um, got to the last semester <sighs> of her college you know, career was trying to study for final exams and also write term papers needed to get a leg up because she wanted to finish with that 4.0 had never done drugs, you know, in her life, just straight laced, really focused student bought an Adderall on campus, took it and died immediately because it was laced with fentanyl. First time done. There are, man, very unforgiving. This is, this is a tough conversation, but I, I think worth having as, as often as possible. There, there are so many of those stories on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, so again, how do you prevent and educate? We talked about it's getting younger too, right? Yep. When a, I don't want to get sick to my stomach here. My my oldest is eight. We just had a, a daughter that graduated college. Congratulations! What'd she graduate from, by the way? She graduated from a private university in West Point, Georgia, called Point University. Okay. Uh, she's going to be a Georgia Bulldog. Hey. Um, she's in Athens oh, right he's now. A, he's a Bulldog. That's yeah, right. She's gonna, you can chime in here. Her, we got us loosen it up a little bit. I almost cried there a second ago. Yeah, she starts her master's in the fall, so excited That's awesome. for her. That's yeah. awesome. Proud dad. Yep. And again, how do you how do you educate? And I, I think about this stuff for my kids as they get older. <clears throat> it's tough to think about. And, and you said it, the second fentanyl's maybe figured out and Narcan's the treatment, there'll be a genetic adjustment to, you know, this and the chemical makeup, yep. somebody in a lab will, will change that. You've got so. different analogs that are being tweaked and, you know, it's a different type of high, so people want it and they'll just keep doing that. You know what else people keep doing? What's I think that? individuals like yourself, Abby, myself, JFRD, which I want to talk about, um, we'll keep fighting. Yeah. We'll keep talking about it. We'll keep battling. We'll keep we trying to, to save lives and, and, and mourn the losses. But so, so locally, and I, and I know, um, first time I met you, JFRD, um, Ron Salem, I think was pretty engaged in this, but what is the, what are first responders doing? How are they fighting this educating? I know Narcan had a, had a shortage for a long time, but, but talk about that. What, how are we fighting this on the streets? Um, Yeah. So as far as uh, JFRD is concerned, you know, obviously they're responding to calls of overdose, but they also have a program, a Narcan program, where they train uh, the public on how to administer Narcan, and they share with them, you know, some of break some of the stigma that's associated with it. Um, like, you know, there is no liability if you administer Narcan and something happens. Um, so they're sharing that information with people, also helping people understand that it can't hurt people. It can only help someone that has experienced a, an opioid overdose. So if you and I put Narcan in our nose right now and deployed it, it wouldn't hurt us. Nothing would, yeah. Yeah, it can only help. And so they're helping uh, spread the word and, and train people on how to use it, putting it in their hands. Um, they have a program that focuses on that. So uh, in fact, we just were in a meeting today sitting next to the, the young lady that runs that um, who's doing a tremendous job of getting in, getting it out and making sure that, you know, people um, have access to 
naloxone, and in this case, Narcan, the four milligram yeah. Narcan. Um, All nasal administration. Nasal administration. Okay. It's very simple to, to do. And so what we want to do is make sure people are not afraid to do that and that they have it with them because you never know when you're going to come across somebody who could be experiencing an overdose. So they're doing great work with that. Um, you know, we have some things that, that we're doing in the community to try to bring awareness and educate people on uh, the dangers of fentanyl specifically and just working together with amazing nonprofits who've been at this for a while. Uh, we're a little over two and a half, probably about two and a half years into our initiative. Um, and, and there have been so many other organizations that have done this for years and years and years that we get to come alongside and support. Local or statewide? Both. Okay. Uh, but tremendous organizations locally. You know, one of our key partnerships is Drug Free Duval. They've been doing this for over a decade. We have Community Coalition Alliance, which is an amazing partner, not only here in Duval County, but across North Florida and, and even pushing down into Central Florida. North Florida HIDA, uh, which is, you know, stands for High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. Uh, those are great um, law enforcement partnerships of ours. And we just come together and collaborate to make things happen in the community, to, to bring awareness, to educate people, to get resources in people's hands, to refer uh, people to treatment providers. Um, so it's been a real pleasure to be able to work with these different organizations. And what we get to see here in North Florida is collaboration um, that doesn't necessarily take place in other parts of the state. So we're very fortunate for that. I want to go back. So, so we're going to name all those organizations again. I, th nope. That's a big thing. Like, how can we plug these resources that are supporting our community and, and these projects back to the Narcan or Naloxin, depending on how you pronounce it, or different formulas of that? Education, right? explaining it, it's not dangerous and access to it was another one. Because when, when I was leaving the fire department, this is years ago, there was a shortage nationwide. Right. That That's no longer the case is my understanding. Right. Right. And, and it's sad that that's kind of the world we live in, that that should be available. But, but it's also something to celebrate and understand the communities need to understand, like it's available, know it, it's not dangerous and how to use it. Exactly. Like if you walk up on someone you could probably tell, at least, I mean, again, most human beings. So it's available. Talk about that a little bit more. How do, how do people learn more about that? How's the first responders? So they're educating the community, and then we'll go back, and I want to talk about these uh, businesses you work with and supports as well. So you have, I mentioned the young lady that works with JFRD. Her name's Laura Viafora Ray. Uh, she has a program through Jacksonville Fire Rescue Department that trains people in the community and then puts <coughs> Narcan in their hands. She does that in partnership with organizations like Drug Free Duval, who do in-person trainings, but they also have, uh, I want to say, three times a week now, or three times a, a month. Is that right, Abby? Help me out here. Put her on the spot. Yeah. She, by the way, we should mention she's sitting on a metal filing cabinet. <laughs> we could have grabbed her a chair, I, but... <laughs> I want to say three times a week. I could be wrong, but we'll send people to their website. They can sign up for virtual um, <coughs> Narcan training, so they'll be educated on what to look for, um, how to administer, and then they'll mail people that go through the training a, a Narcan kit that contains two applications, and we encourage people to carry that with them. Um, and so just organizations and programs like that are making a huge difference, you know, in the community. One which is, starfish. Yeah. One starfish. Really one human. Yep. 
Okay, let's go back to so collaboration partners. You're you're tied to the Jacksonville Chamber. This started in Orlando, but I got Drug Free Duval. What was the acronym you mentioned again? Say it again. So Community Coalition Alliance Community is the name of the organization, Alliance. and it's a prevention coalition that oversees prevention coalitions. Yeah, so yeah. So let's look. Hold at on, it. hold on. Let me let me do the math on that. <laughs> got it. So are you familiar with a managing entity like ours here? Yeah. Here is is uh, LSF Health Systems. Um, CCA works under LSF Health to help distribute okay. funds to prevention coalitions across North Florida and Central Florida. And CCA, one of our uh, most trusted partners, Kathleen Roberts, is the CEO of that. Hey, Kathleen. Kathleen was the first person uh, to really uh, take an interest in what we were doing and help us connect to, to different organizations uh, when we started Project Opioid. Lieutenant Mark Rowley is another one. Yep. I, the first person I talked to, um, that really said, hey, I can help you understand this. He'd been doing it for years. Probably one of the most knowledgeable, if not the most knowledgeable person that I've met when it comes to this issue. Um, our friends at North Florida HIDA. Um, That's, that was the other one too, North yeah. Florida HIDA. What does that stand for? High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. So there are HIDAs uh, across the country um, that work to really put out assessments and threats that come into communities so they work with law enforcement, with JSO, and all the different other, you know, sheriff's offices, police departments in the region, uh, to really collaborate and and uh, and come up with strategies to help reduce overdose deaths and help stop it, the transport of it, you know, up and down the yeah. interstates. Man. So, Jay, you surviving over there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm good. Off. This is intense. I should have warned you. I'm like, this is not a very, a lot of times we, we, we laugh, we tell jokes, we talk about some serious stuff. This is predominantly serious. I'm like, should we tell jokes? Maybe not. I um, think sometimes, especially, you know, with yeah. the folks that are working on this day in and day out, it's good to find ways, you know, to, to have lighthearted moments. Um, certainly not at the expense of what is occurring, but to encourage each other and, you know, to, to really keep, <clears throat> pushing each other forward as we fight this together. So I don't think it's inappropriate, um, but I, I certainly understand what you mean by no, this, the seriousness of this, this, this issue. Is, this is, I can't tell you, I keep saying it, how grateful I am that you joined because I am passionate about this conversation, this dialogue, um, this show that it's early on. So, so my mom, by the way, hi, mom. I always say hi to my mom. Hi, Katie. Um, we have this saying all the time. It's like you, you have two options. You can laugh or you can cry. Sometimes you have to do both. So, so what do you do in these moments where maybe you cry early on, but t to me, that's why I love kind of smiling and humor and, and lifting people up, but this is not an easy topic and can't make jokes, but, um, anyways, I commend, I commend your work, your efforts so far. I got questions that you, that I think Abby sent beforehand, right? You sent me that list of questions, which were great. I'm going on the website. I'm like, let me see what she wrote. Cause a lot of times we just kind of make it up. Sure. What can the average person do to positively impact the issue? So I think there's a few key things. Number one, you can learn about the issue, the current narrative, you know, pay attention to what's happening when it comes to this, um, and then help us spread the word. Uh, again, of what we talked about, it may have been in the first segment, I can't remember. But if you don't, or if, if you receive a pill that doesn't come from your physician, uh, or, Throw doesn't, it away. or doesn't come from a reputable pharmacy, do not take it. Do not take it at all. So people can help us spread the word with that. People can get 
uh, Narcan training and carry Narcan with them in case they come across somebody who's experiencing an overdose. The other thing I think everybody can do, uh, no matter who they are, is to show a little bit more grace and Mm. compassion towards people who struggle with this issue. Because a lot of times people unknowingly think this is a moral failure when it's not. As you know, because you're, you know, um, a healthcare expert, this is a brain disease. I wouldn't call me an expert by any means. Let me boost you up a little (laughs) bit here. No, look, I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's a brain disease. It's, It's not, and there's a, such a stigma attached to it. And so we just want people to understand, you know, a lot of times these people are trapped in this um, and, and they want to get out, but they can't. And so more compassion, more grace, you know, more of a willingness to try to put yourself in that person's shoes. It's, it's interesting to me because we have the unfortunate but fortunate privilege of meeting so many amazing uh, people who've lost <coughs> young people, their kids, to this Siblings, issue. And, yeah. and Children, some yeah. of them may have thought differently about it until their own kid went not through me. this. That's, I've yeah. heard that. Not me. It'll never happen yeah. to me. And so if people could just, <clears throat> you know, look at this differently um, through the eyes of somebody who is struggling or or somebody who cares for a loved one who is struggling with this, I think it would go a long way, you know, to help. You said two of my favorite words, grace and compassion, I think so underrated you never know what that person across the table is going through. Um, so I, I sent you a couple questions. I always ask these at the end. I told you the time would fly by. We're running out it's of here. It's going by like two or three minutes by. Two or three minutes left. Three minutes. I got there. He is three fingers up in the air from J Bose. <laughs> Do the laugh for me. No, there's no laughing matter. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I'm trying. So it is not a laughing matter, but I'm I'm trying here. One, three, five, ten years out. What is a healthy change you'd like to see? I don't even know how to ask that. Is it the community of Jacksonville? Is it is it Project Opioid? Is it the, the crisis in general? But if you look out in the future, what's something healthy you'd like to see happen in this bubble? As it pertains to the opioid crisis or just the city in general? I don't even know how to ask it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The opioid crisis would be like just to save one life a day would be great. Right. I don't – this is the hardest time of – Hardest question I've ever asked. Yeah. I would say that I would like to see people make this a priority and come together to work towards solutions that can save lives. You know, that they're out there. Uh, we've got funding coming. We need to use it in a way and leverage it in a way that's going to make a, a lasting impact and and really be the most effective that it can be. And so that's what I would like to see as, as we get these settlement funds coming in over the next 18 years even, uh, that we utilize that in the most effective and impactful ways possible to save people's lives and to help them <clears throat> regain their lives. Man, the, the settlement funds too, we didn't even talk about that. I don't think people understand what's happening there. Okay, we got to rush here. So one, three, five, ten 10 years in the past, what's some healthy advice you would give yourself? I would have told myself to make my health a priority, not only my physical health, but my mental health, you know, to, to think about things that I could do, such as saying no. We talked about that That's off, all we didn't even hit that. off air. That's you know, a superpower. Saying no to, to things because there's so many things that you can do, um, but there's only a limited amount of, you know, energy and time that you have, capacity that we all have. 
So I think just putting up some guardrails when it comes to my health, both physical and and uh, mental health. Ladies and gentlemen, TJ Ward, Project Opioid. I, I told you the time would fly by, did I not? Yeah, it went by. Um, that was incredible, pretty heavy. Thank you for joining. Um, I, I tell every guest, I hope you come back. I don't know if you'd come back, but that was that I'd was love great. to come back. Yeah. There's some things that we didn't talk I'm about that, that we need to, but I would love to come back. Let's not forget Abby in the corner, by yeah. the way. Sit on the, Thanks the for camera. having us. Really TJ Ward, it. Project Opioid. Um, that was incredible. That is what the health just happened. Hustling.